0: Amen, all right. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Proverbs, all right? You say, well, Pastor, we've been in 1 Peter for so long. What are you doing? Well, if you'll allow me this morning to deviate from 1 Peter just for today only, I would like to look at a passage of Scripture found in in Proverbs chapter number 4, all right? And and, uh, I want to look at this passage of Scripture because... Of something that once again is happening this week, which what is it, fellas? It's Valentine's Day. That's right. Good. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Now, when you think of Valentine's Day, uh, what comes what comes to mind? And before you mention this one, I want to go ahead and get it out of the way. Please do not say what comes to mind is Cupid. That's just weird. All right? Some old dude in a diaper flying around shooting people with arrows. Don't don't do that. That's just weird. Okay. That's not what it's about. At least that's not what we, we uh, look at it as, okay? Well, when it comes to Valentine's Day, what, what comes to mind? Someone tell me. What comes to mind? Chocolate. Chocolate. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. What else? Love. Love. Okay. What else? Bread. bread? I hear bread. bread. Rest. Okay. Bread. Oh, red. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. I'm turning 40 this year. Okay. I'm getting old. I can't hear. Red. All right. What else? I heard steak. <laughs> Amen. My wife is shaking her head like this. That's, she don't care about a box of chocolate. She don't want a card. She wants me to cook her a steak for Valentine's Day, and I have no problem with that because that means I get to eat it too. All right, but no doubt there's many things that we think of when it comes to Valentine's Day, uh, but inevitably, and, and when you think of it, though, there's also this a symbol, if you will, around Valentine's Day. And it's the symbol of a heart, right? I mean, just about everything that's around Valentine's Day is going to have a shape of a heart. I mean, your box of chocolates, shape of a heart, right? Uh, Let's say you go get a card. Well, that could be in the shape of a heart. You go get a cookie cake. It's probably going to be in the shape of a heart. You go out to eat. You take your wife out to eat to a fancy restaurant. And they may even cut the steak into a shape of a heart. Or maybe go to one of those other restaurants and you actually eat an animal heart. I don't know. All right. Some of you think that might be gross. Some of you may think that's romantic. Some of you may think it's barbaric. But listen, you've probably eaten animal heart just so you know. You say, yeah, right. That's gross. I ain't doing that. Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever eaten a hot dog? (laughs) You've probably eaten animal heart. It's called a byproduct of the animal. (laughs) Yeah, they mix it all in there, shove it through a tube, out comes the hot dog. All right, you're welcome. But anyway, when we think of Valentine's Day, I think of of the heart. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, When you think of the heart, would you agree with me that the actual heart, the blood pumping organ in your body, that's a very important thing? Yes, anybody would agree with that? Uh, It is, because if you don't have your heart functioning properly, meaning it's not beating, guess what? Well, you die, all right? So it's important to have a good, healthy heart. It's important for us to take care of our hearts in order to function properly, in order to live longer and have a more productive life. It's important for us to care for our physical beating heart. And here's some tips, some steps to do just that that I got off of the American Heart Association website, all right? They say if we want to protect our hearts, then we need to do this. We need to be active or exercise daily. It'd be good to control our cholesterol. It'd be good to eat better. And That's a hard one for me, seeing I like to eat, especially everything that's bad and sugary and have a terrible sweet tooth, especially down the ice cream aisle. And if you've never had Bluebell Buttercrunch ice cream, you need to. It'll change your life, all right? And you can get that for your spouse for Valentine's Day. You'll know, thank me later. But anyway. But eat better, eat right, weight management, manage your blood pressure, reduce your blood sugar. So many other things we could do to protect and to help our beating heart. Take these steps actively, do them on purpose. They can drastic, drastically reduce the potential of any heart disease or even heart attack that you may have in your life. And if you have a history of this within your family, at least, your family history, uh, you you would do well and probably would uh, take the doctor's advice on these things and uh, actively pursue these steps. But today, when we're thinking of the heart, it's not necessarily my goal to speak on the blood-pumping organ in your chest cavity. All right, Rather, the heart that I want to look at this morning is the biblical heart. I want to look at the biblical heart. And when I say again the biblical heart, we're not talking about the the blood pumping organ again in your body. But rather, I believe the biblical heart is this. I believe it's here. Right up here. I believe it's your mind. You see, it's your mind that controls your emotions, your intellect, and your will. And I think it would be very wise for us to protect to protect that. And here's why I think the biblical heart is the mind. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, what do you think? with? Do you think with that pumping organ in your body, in your chest? Do you think with that? Well, I hope not. I hope you think... With your mind, I understand that sometimes that can be questionable with some of the things we do in our lives. And if you're ever like me growing up, and your parents say, "Boy, what were you thinking?" If you ever heard that as many times as I have, you would think that was a verse in Proverbs, you know. But anyway, uh, but we'll hopefully, use your mind when you think. Yes. So I believe the biblical heart is your mind. But let me ask you this today: How is it? How is your mind? How is Your heart this morning, is it clear? Is it clean? Is it thinking clearly? Or is it foul? Full of filth? Because listen, the condition of our hearts, it matters. Why? Because what filters through our minds, what filters through our hearts, our biblical heart, it will filter throughout the rest of our lives life and everything that we do. So let me ask you, how's your heart this morning? Listen, just as there are some physical steps we can take to care for our physical beating heart, I believe there are some biblical steps we can take to take care of our biblical heart as well. We find those here in Proverbs chapter four. Look at it with me. Proverbs chapter four, starting in verse number 20. The Bible says this, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life under those that find them. Health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth. And perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Our fathers, we look to your word this morning. I pray that you help us to apply it to our lives and to protect our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have a habit of marking, underlining, or or whatever in your Bible, I encourage you to underline, circle, highlight the word in verse 23 where it says, keep, all right? When the Bible says again, keep thy heart with all diligence. Do you know what this word keep here means? Well, it means to guard. It means to protect diligently. It means to tend to, to shield, to take care of. That's what it means. It means to protect. Now, no doubt many of us here, there are things in our lives that we are very, very protective of. I remember when we moved in our house in Edneyville some years ago. And I remember the neighbor coming up to me just a few, few short days after we moved in. And I appreciate that neighbor, by the way. He's very kind to us. And uh, he would always bring us fresh okra out of his uh, just perfectly manicured garden and fresh corn out of his garden. I appreciate it. That's a great neighbor, you know. But anyway. But when he first came and uh, introduced himself to us, he, he told me. I thought it was a little odd, but he told me. He said, now, neighbor, I want you to know you can borrow anything that I got. I'm like, okay, cool, thank you. He said, except for three things. I said, yes, sir. He said, you cannot borrow my Harley. I said, all right. He said, you cannot borrow my guns. I said, fair enough. He said, you cannot borrow my wife. I said, okay, no problem, because, sir, listen, if I was to borrow your Harley, I would crash and probably wreck and die. All right. And besides, I've got guns of my own, and I've already got a wife. Don't need another one because mine's perfect, okay? And uh, so. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. So, but anyway, when he was saying all that, what he was telling me is these things are important to him. And he was going to protect them in that order, (laughs) according to him. But he was going to protect them. We're all protective of something. And maybe you're here this morning and you can think of things you're protective of. Maybe you, you're protective of your truck or your car. You don't, ha- don't want to eat nothing in it. I don't want to drink anything in there because you don't want to spill it, right? Or, or maybe you're protective of family heirloom or you're protective of your cat. I don't know why, but you're protective of your cat, your dog. That makes more sense. <laughs> or, uh, or a cell phone, whatever. You're protective of something. Well, for me, I'm very protective of my family. I love my wife and I love my girls. And I'm very protective of them, and if anybody would ever try to harm them, well, you'd probably see a scary side of your pastor you would not recognize, all right? Because I'm very protective of my, my girls. And I'm not afraid to start a prison ministry, okay? I think we do need to start a club, though. Uh, we'll, we'll call it, uh, we'll call it uh, what is it, D-A-D-D, Dads Against Daughters Dating, amen, all right? But anyway, I'm very protective of them. And no doubt you have something you're very protective of of as well. But I want to submit to you this morning that something that we should be very protective of and be diligent in protecting should be our hearts. It should be our minds because again the Bible says in our text keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it, out of your heart, out of your mind are the issues of life. We can say it this way. Out of the condition of life of our hearts, come the conduct of our lives. That's how important it is to protect it. Guard your heart this morning, but how do we do that? All right, let's look at four ways quickly. Four steps we can take quickly this morning of how to do just that to guard our hearts. Number 1, guard your heart by doing this, guarding your mouth. Look at verse 24 with me. He says this, Solomon speaking to his son, he says, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Uh, Solomon here is saying to his son, be careful what you say. He's saying, boy, you better watch your mouth. Why though? Because he understands what, he's, what you say, it matters a whole lot. Now we know the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones. But words will never hurt me. And I understand why we teach that to children and why we we have that in our minds even today. It helps us to rise above words and be stronger than a mere word. But listen, the fact remains that's not always the case. Uh, Words can either be helpful or they can be absolutely hurtful. Here's what James said in James 3 and verse number 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursing. He said this, listen, my brethren, he's not talking to lost people. He's talking to saved people. He says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Understand the words that come out of our mouths can do more damage than we can ever think, than cut deeper than we can ever imagine. Be careful what you say because when you cut with your tongue, those wounds can go further and deeper and last longer than you can ever imagine. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 18, 7 through, through uh, 8 here, A fool's mouth in his, in his discretion, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a tell bearer are as wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. The innermost part there, he's talking about the deepest place it could ever go in your life. But what is it that can reach that deepest part? Your words and go to the innermost parts of the belly. The belly, be careful what you say because you may just reveal the condition of your heart. Matthew 12, 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Matthew 12 and 35, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Listen, be careful what you say. Understand if Jesus If Jesus is the sole possessor of your heart, then it should be from our hearts. We should be speaking words, admonitions, that are full of grace and truth. Why? Because that's our Savior. He was full of grace and truth. Be careful what you say. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Psalm 141 verse 3 said, a watch, again, that's a, a, a guard to protect, a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Be careful what you say. Use your words wisely. Why? If you want to guard, protect your heart, you will. So how do we guard our hearts? Number one, be careful what you say. How else, what else can we do to protect our hearts, all right, by doing this? Not only guarding our mouths. Number two, guarding our eyes. Look at verse number 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Now, again, we know this, but there are certain gates that we have uh, within our bodies that allow things from the outside to get in the, into the inside. And those gates are our five senses. They are smell, touch, uh, taste, hearing, And sight, right, our five senses. And of those gates, I believe, one that could be most influential at least, I suggest would be the eye gate, if I can say it that way. Because things that we see can have a huge impact on the condition of our minds. The things that we see can have a huge impact on the condition of our hearts. Listen to what Jeremiah said when he penned these words in a little book of Lamentations when he said Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51. He said, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. He said, look, the things that I'm seeing are affecting my heart, they're affecting my mind. He was saying his heart was so heavy, it was distraught, it was in pieces, and overcome with sorrow and lamenting. Hence the, the word or the title for the book, Lamentations. He was lamenting over everything that was taking place. But why was it his heart in such shambles at this moment? We've got to remember, he was seeing everything taking place at this moment in the in this history of, of Jerusalem. He was watching Jerusalem be destroyed. He was witnessing throughout the streets and the alleys, no doubt, of the holy city of nothing but pain and suffering and destruction in the wake of the Babylonian invasion in 586 B.C. He was seeing Jerusalem be destroyed, people being murdered. He was seeing children being kidnapped and taken back to Babylon. He was seeing women left behind to weep over their stolen children and to mourn over their dead husbands. He was seeing the daughters of his city so distraught and in shambles. He saw it all with his own eyes. He could do nothing about it. But what he saw affected His heart. Listen, what we see has a huge effect on our minds, has a huge effect on our hearts. I'm telling you, be careful what you see. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he, that's Jesus, saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let me ask you a question. As you you hear this verse, when was Jesus moved with compassion and moved into action? It was when he saw the people. That's when he was moved into action. You see, it was after Nehemiah. When he went and saw the destruction of his city and the affliction of his people, then he got a burden for the people and for the work to rebuild there in Jerusalem. And because he saw that, he got that burden, it put him into action. And Nehemiah accomplished in 51 days what the people could not have done in just several years. But this action was taking place after he saw the devastation. Now listen, even King David he had a moment of weakness when he had a, a sight that had an effect on him, and it cost him dearly. In 2 Samuel eleven two, and 2, And it came to pass at evening time that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw, that's a passing glance, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. That look there is a long, lustful stare. But he stayed, and he watched and he looked longfully and had a great effect on his heart and mind for another rest of the story. When he told his servants to go and fetch her for him because what he saw filled his heart and mind full of lust for her. And he committed immorality. Listen, be careful what you see because it affects the condition of your heart and your mind. You know, I've, I've Talk and, uh, I've talked with many people who have struggled over the years with what we know as PTSD. And uh, I know several folks have struggled with this because I've sat down with them and listened to their stories and, and tried to, to help them. By the way, I have a great desire to help individuals who are struggling with this. And we have <coughs> books and materials here at church uh, to, to offer that kind of help as well. And it's actually one of, uh, I'm just going to be transparent, Here's, it's one of my desires, if you want me to pray about it, to uh, one of the books that we have to to be able to even possibly get into all the departments within Henderson, Buncombe, and Transylvania counties and start there and then uh, spread on out throughout the whole state of North Carolina and the whole country. I think it'd be great. But it's this little book here, Wounded Spirits, all right? I can get this book for $5. That's cheap, but we can get it to these departments and uh, they can give them some help. What I love about it is at the end of each chapter, the gospel is clearly presented and given. So they can find a help for what they're struggling with, but they can find eternal help through Jesus Christ. And so if you help me pray about that, that'd be great. All right, maybe you want to give towards that. That's a little plug, give towards it, okay? But you can talk to me more after the service. And I can get more information about it. But I want to help people with this. There's a great, great struggle of people that are, that are going through this. There's great hope in the Lord. But I'm telling you, things that we see with our eyes, I'm telling you, will affect our hearts. It will affect our minds. I can't say it enough. Guard your eyes. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you see. I've had people tell me, Preacher, don't worry about me. I can watch this stuff. It don't affect me. <laughs> That's a lie. You know where liars go, don't you? Matthew's Church. That's right. Just kidding. Come on. It's a joke. Lighten up. It's a joke. No. You cannot stand and say the things that I watch and see don't affect me unless you're so desynthesized that it just (laughs) so callous and cold. There's no way. It has an effect on you. It affects you. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you watch. All right, what else can we do to guard our hearts? Okay, guard your mouth. Guard your eyes. Number three, guard your feet. Look at verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Be careful where you go. Again, my mind goes back to King David and his great failure in 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you read that chapter, you will find out that David was supposed to be, as the Bible says, in a time when kings go forth to battle. He was supposed to be, as a king, on the battlefield. But where was he at? He was at his palace because he's not in the place he's supposed to be, he got into some trouble. Listen, if David had guarded his steps, guarded his feet, maybe just maybe that chapter in his life would have been a little bit different. Be careful where you go. Young people, be careful who you hang out with. Because you hang out with some folks long enough, I'm going to tell you you're going to become just like them. Be careful you allow to influence your life. Be careful where you go. Lastly, this. How can we guard our hearts? <clears throat> guard your mouth, guard your eyes, guard your feet. And lastly, do this. We must fill our minds, our hearts, with the Word of God. Look at verse 20. All right, this is where it started. As I read this text here, again, as Solomon is, is speaking, he says this, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, health to all their flesh. He said, Keep them, them what? The words, his sayings, keep them in the midst, in the middle of, in the center of his heart. Look, the greatest weapon we have as believers when it comes to our battle, and our spiritual battle, when it comes even to the battle of our minds, of our hearts, listen, the greatest weapon we have is the word of God. And if we neglect our greatest weapon, understand we will be ill-equipped for battle, especially the battle of our minds, the battle of our hearts. And Make no mistake about it. Your enemy wants your mind. He wants to influence your biblical heart. He wants to influence your mind so he can influence your actions. He wants to control your thinking so he can control your conduct. He wants to influence your mind. He's very patient as he does so. But you must guard it. But how? To guard against lies. You've got to know the truth. You see, when people look at um, fakes, they don't study fakes. Do you know that? When they look at fake money, fake gems, fake jewels, whatever, they don't study those fakes because there's something fake uh, coming up all the time. But what do they study? What do they look at to know what's genuine and true? They look at the truth. And to combat lies, to combat the devil, father of lies, got to have the truth but where do you need to put it you need to put it in your heart in your mind how do you do that you memorize the word of god put it in your heart the bible says this ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god now we know this i've said it before but there is a, a different, difference between uh, the words here when, in, in the Bible when it talks about the word, all right? Uh, you have the, uh, the Greek word logos, which is the, referring to the word uh, uh, as the Bible as a whole, all right? Then you have another Greek word for word, and it's this word, it's rhema. Now, this word rhema is uh, pointing more towards a, a word or a phrase or a saying or a sentence, or as we would say, a verse. That's what it's pointing to. And so in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse 17, when Paul says take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, he used the rhema there. He says the rhema of God, the word of God. So he is saying, look, take the words, the phrases, the sentences, the verses of the Bible and use them in the battle to wield against the enemy. Use the sword of the Spirit for the battles that we face, especially within our hearts and minds. We must guard our hearts with the word of God and you do so not by putting the Bible under your pillow at night but taking the Bible and memorizing it, putting it in your heart you can memorize the Bible I know I've given this tip before but I'm going to give it again you have a hard time memorizing scripture you think I just can't find time to do it I just forget about it well who here has a cell phone? Raise your hand. You have a smartphone. You have a smartphone. Okay. Uh, who here has iPhone? All right, Christians, good. Who here has Android? <clears throat> Praying for y'all. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> just kidding. Once you go Mac, you never go back. You know, I'm just saying. But but you take your smartphone and you open your Bible app and you take a screenshot of a certain verse you're trying to memorize. You say. How do you take a screenshot and how do I get a Bible app? Well, just, just ask your kids or your grandkids. They'll help you out, okay, with all of that. They'll help you, help you do that. But you take a screenshot of that, that verse you're trying to memorize. And again, put it as your home screen or your lock screen on your phone. You say, how do I do that? Again, ask your kids or your grandkids or somebody that's around 10 years old. They'll help you, all right? I promise. But put that on there because, listen, it is sad that we pick up our phones. Listen. Some 90 times a day, that's like once every 10 minutes or so, some 90 times a day, we pick up our phones to check check an email, check a text, make a phone call, see what time it is, or whatever, play a game. 90 times a day. What if you, at 90 times a day, picked up your phone, and the first thing you see is that verse you're trying to memorize? I tell you, by the end of the day, you'll have it memorized. It's not that difficult to memorize scripture. You can do it, especially if you want to guard, protect your heart. You will do it. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Hide it within, within your heart. Please guard your mind. Psalm 119, verse 11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Against thee so let me ask you again this morning how's your heart? How's your mind? Is it thinking clearly? Is it clean or is it foul Because of the things that you've said the place you've been to Is it full of lust because of the things you've seen is it torn because the places Gone? Things you've done? How's your heart this morning? If it's not clean, I'm telling you, it can be. I'm thankful that we can be forgiven and cleansed. The Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity, all unrighteousness. He is faithful to do so he can forgive us he can make us clean he can help us and then take these principles to begin to guard your heart protect it because out of it listen back your text look at it with me out of our heart look at verse 23 proverbs 4 verse 23 keep guard it protect it keep thy heart with all diligence why for out of it out of your heart out of your mind out of it are the issues life. Protect it. Guard it.